Sleep. It comprises nearly two-thirds of our life. Your body needs the rest to replenish your energy, fight off disease, and return you to a full-fledged, healthy citizen. And when we sleep, we dream. A succession of images, ideas, emotions, and sensations that usually occur involuntarily in the mind while we sleep. But sometimes this succession of images can take a turn for the worse. These we call nightmares, and they paralyze us into a state of fear. But typically, these nightmares end painlessly when you wake up. No scratches. What if nightmares became a reality? And what if that monster, wielding razors, began to really slice and dice you for real? This is... It Records. Welcome everybody to the It Records podcast once again over the internet highway. I am one of your many hosts of the show, Matt Johnson. I'm out of the shadows. But you're also a villain because you're always monologuing. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that a common a common villain trope? Everybody yeah. knows that. Monologues like and soliloquies? In, yeah. That's true. I guess they're like monologuing. Like, think of uh, Incredibles. You're like, you caught me monologuing. Yeah. The, the main bad guy, I can't remember his name. That's true. Usually talking about their plans. Giving it... Yeah. Let everybody know what their evil scheme is. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm driving at. Yeah. That's fine. I'll, I'll be the villain of this horror podcast. I think you've now always you're been the <laughs> you're, you're, you're the corporate. Yeah. yeah. I'm self-actualizing. I'm the villain. <laughs> you're the, you're the man. The you're, the, you're the man. You're the corporate side of this podcast. I am. Yeah. I'm always lurking in the shadows. I mean, I always say it. Own it, man. I know. That is pretty creepy. We don't we don't see like no one sees you like so you're just a shat you're just shadowless figure. It's, yeah. Well, now I know. You're whispering I'm, I'm into people's ears. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this week on the podcast, we watched the 1984 slasher classic, Nightmare on Elm Street. Would directed by. Wes Craven? Yeah, he wrote and directed the first one in 1984. The kids of Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? You just see cuts happen. What did that, Lieutenant? I don't know. There's a coroner got to say. He's in the jaw and puking since he saw it. You're gonna kill me for sure. Did you do it? There was somebody else there. He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. No one knows where it came from or who it will visit next. Nancy? There's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Nightmare on Elm Street. Ah! Do you believe in the boogeyman? No. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. She's the only one who can stop it. If she fails... I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. No one will survive. Wes 
Craven, director of The Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the Left, a new masterpiece in fantasy terror, Nightmare on Elm Street. Would you... I know, I like, say, flat out, I enjoy Nightmare on Elm Street, but would you consider it a classic... In the horror genre? Or in general? I guess... I guess you gotta say horror, because in general, then it's like, you open up a whole <laughs> other warm wormhole. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would say, yes, I consider... Is it like... I don't know what... Is it an instant insta classic, which makes no sense. Instant classic? <laughs> I don't know if I... It'd be hard to put a number on it, like where it falls, but it's definitely... During that heyday of slashers in like the early 80s, late 70s, sure. it was one of the iconic um, slasher villains up there with Jason and Michael, who came before Freddy. But I think if you think of slashers, it's those three guys. Even before Leatherface yeah. for most people. Yeah, he. I think because, like, well, especially with Freddy, like, he has a personality. Jason was, like, pretty brutal. And so was Michael. And then, like, Texas Chainsaw, like, he didn't have, like, an... I don't know. I feel like he wasn't as featured as prominent in front of the franchise as, the, as they were. Mm-hmm. At least how it is for me. I may be looking at it differently than how so some other people would. So is this movie a classic for you, Pete? The Nightmare on Elm Street? Yeah. I don't know. I, I do love this movie, I'm saying it right away, but I don't, like, it's hard for me to say it's a classic, because, like, that makes me, like, really raise the standards of, like, I'm like, because saying something is a classic, that's, like, you're putting some high praise on it. Mm-hmm. Now, if I may put a caveat in there, erase the rest of the franchise. <laughs> like, there was no other movies, the first one. Would you say that was a classic if they made no other ones? Does that hold a place in horror? Classic dome. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's hard to think about. Well, that's that. We'll, yeah. we'll leave it to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to echo your point, I was reading some of the critics when it came out and why a lot of the critical reception was fairly positive for it is it took that slasher villain that was kind of lurking in the shadows like Michael who was they were always wearing masks and rather quiet and just stalking using those same elements but this guy had a personality um, he was talking to his vi- his victims and Freddy has a very distinct personality it's it's weird, yeah, like how, like, less ridiculous he is, in the original one. Cause like, <clears throat> I feel like when I think of Freddy, I always think of his wisecracks and like, his like one-liners, and it's like, he's not that talkative in this one. Like he's got some like a few lines here and there, but they're not as quippy as like I remember him being. And I was like, oh, that must be all in the sequels. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I think it picks up definitely in the second one. I think it's called Freddy's Revenge is two. And for those of you who haven't seen any of these, there's six sequels to the first Nightmare on Elm Street. 
So, I thought it was Freddy's dead. Is that the... Let me consult my brain notes. Um, Freddy's Revenge is 2. 85. Okay. Dream Warriors, Dream Master, Dream Child, Final Nightmare, and then New Nightmare. <laughs> I like how long they took the, like, the dream. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're just running with this for how long as we can. Mm-hmm. How many different ways can we do this? And and that's another thing. And I'll give, here's a brief synopsis if you have never seen this movie or heard of it. Uh, Freddy's a monstrous spirit um, who seeks revenge by invading the dreams of teenagers uh, whose parents are responsible for his untimely death. Um, but Oh, uh, what were we going to say? With They're going to stretch the dreams as far as they can? This one seems subdued compared to the rest of them they, they tried to go as far as they could with a lot of the death sequences and what they could do with the dreams it seems rather tame this first one but still creepy like cause uh mm-hmm. like I mean it, like everyone goes to sleep so <laughs> mm-hmm. and you're like and like you have people that like are afraid of the dark a very common fear so I feel like that kind of goes hand in hand with it yeah, definitely. It's like everybody wants to feel comfortable when they go to sleep. Um, and then when you go to sleep, it's actually where you're the least safe. Because <laughs> Freddy's there. Freddy's in your dreams. Yeah. It was interesting how he like directly fed off those victims' fear. And uh, how this movie really played upon you know something that everybody is afraid of. Nightmares. So... Mm-hmm. That was really interesting um, and a nice touch, I think, to the movie and to the villain himself. And I thought it was interesting. I talked a lot about like 40s and 50s horror, where they use Freudian psychology and imagery to like take what the repressed fears you had and they would put them in the screens. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, what's in your subconscious? This like does it very literally. <laughs> Freddie's like, <laughs> he's in your dreams, like. He is your nightmare. <laughs> He's in your in your head. I wonder how they got the concept of like the glove, because like I'm like never really knew. Like I guess it's like kind of interesting, like how we don't know much about it, like why he has like the finger knives. But like, I wonder like what's like the background of like how that came to be. I don't know if you know it, Matt. In like the production notes. Yeah. Well. For those of you who don't know, in the first one, Freddy's backstory is he's a, he was a child murderer of the local neighborhood. And what they wanted, after they had come up with this other costume design, was a knife weapon that was mobile. And they needed to make it cheap, they said, because they had used a lot of money on his makeup. <laughs> so essentially it became, they had the fingerless gloves and they put the razors on it. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, <laughs> let's make it as cheap as possible. <laughs> yeah, something that's a cheap, a cheap uh, prop that's mobile. We want him to be able to move with it. It's funny how something like that became so iconic. Yeah. Yeah, even the sweater and the fedora, which is what he wears, is super iconic. Yeah. But there was a little more thought behind the sweater. If you... Pete, do you know why he chose those colors? 
Craven? I forgot. Right. I I don't remember. He had read like some scientific journal that said the most um, disorienting colors uh, contrasted against each other are green and red. So he wanted to find a color to put that on Freddy's like burnt body. Oh, okay. <laughs> And the name for Freddy Krueger, while we're on Freddy's lore and design, comes from a guy that Craven actually knows. Yeah, Isn't I actually that's just fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. their inspiration for this uh, terrible villain for <laughs> sequels and sequels to come. It was like it was like his uh, schoolyard bully. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know like where he was and what he was doing when he found out that. Uh, this movie was coming out and he was headlining it yeah that had it's gotta be shocking you know like if you see I bet he didn't have I bet he didn't have any idea like that it was like named after him cause like I feel like I feel like bullies don't remember who they bullied and then like the people who bullied always remember their bullies Mm -hmm. that's true it's probably it sounds like he had it coming though so you know whatever Cause I I remember my bullies, mm-hmm. and I bet they don't Never remember forget. me. <laughs> yeah. Never forget. I really just hope there was a, yeah. a realization for him at one point, where that guy Freddy Krueger was watching <laughs> the movie, and he was like, "Oh, his name's Fre- uh, Freddy Krueger. I'm Freddy Krueger." And then I was like, directed by Wes Craven. Wait a minute. <laughs> I think his name was no. He, it was just Freddy. Like Krueger came from somewhere else. Is it? Oh, I, it was, I thought it was, his full Fre- name was Freddy Krueger. Okay. No, it was his friend. It was his Freddy Kruger came from somewhere else. I can't remember where that came from. Well, so this oh, is so his it's first not name. As, overt okay. as I originally thought. I think it, there's definitely a meaning behind it, but I can't remember. I I know the producer like, like, like that was like the start of New Line Cinema. Yeah, was uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, and like the producer like worked with Wes Craven a lot, which is like uh, why like. Uh, we talked about this before recording, is that, like, when Wes Craven did New Nightmare, he, like, oh, this is how I wanted Nightmare on Elm Street to be, because, like, the producer had so many notes that he had to stick with. Like, <clears throat> one in particular is the ending that we could talk about later, but that's, like, straight up the producer. And uh, where, um, I think it's Nancy going up the stairs, and she, like, it's, like, all gooey and shit. Mm-hmm. That's like a, like literally a bad dream that the producers had in in real life. A melting staircase. Yeah. That yeah. is pretty terrifying. So like he had like a lot of like creative input in the movie, so I think that's why Russ Craven like says he likes New Nightmare to be like the the original story because it's all him instead of like kind of collaborating with someone like he was kind of forced to take their ideas because he was funding the movie <laughs> right sure and if you guys uh see ever seen the deleted scene that's like kind of like notorious of nightmare on elm street it's like a del- it's a deleted scene that like like i don't know if it resurfaced recently but i remember like people making a big deal about it like within the last two years um, it's like Nancy finds the glove burned up in her house, 
And I think maybe some of that... Re- I can't remember if that was actually in the movie or not. But, like, we kind of get, like, a story from Nancy's mom of, like, about Freddy. Like, it kind of, like... They talk... She kind of, like, hints at, like... Like, I'm going to spoil, I, I guess, some of the movie now that, like... Um, <clears throat> the parents, like, took care of Freddy in, like, the beginning, like, before the events of the movie. Because, like, they're older kids of Elm Street kids like they're all their older siblings were killed by Freddy and it was hidden by like the parents so like they they grew up like I guess not knowing or not remembering their sibling older siblings mm-hmm. I don't know it was just like a really bizarre like like kind of interesting but also could see why like it got like removed where could I find this wait it's on you it's on YouTube. Yeah. What's up, Matt? That scene is removed now, or that was in the ori- that was in the original cut and they removed it, or it wasn't in the original cut. It was not in the original cut at all. It was just like it was filmed, and like, I think like, it was like in the rough cut. You know what I mean? Like before the final cut of the movie, and then like it eventually like was taken out on the cutting room floor. Okay. Because, like, when you see when you watch the clip on YouTube, it's very clearly, like, very old, like, quality. It looks like the quality is, like, not great. Because it's just, like, it was never, like, fine-tuned in any way. And it's Nancy's mother telling it's her Na- about what they... Yeah, it's, it's Nancy and Nancy's mother, like, in the basement. I think I have... The, the DVD copy I have has that, full, has that in there. The whatever one I bought. Because I've, I've seen that scene. Where she's like, she shows Nancy the glove and tells her what they did to Freddy. Yeah. Like, I think, like, I'm pretty sure, like, the scene I'm talking about, like, goes more with it. Because, like, because, like, I remember, I, like, don't remember, because, like, I've seen this movie, like, a good amount of times and I never remember this scene when I, when I watched it, this clip. Okay. I might extend it some more. Yeah, I think that's, like, where it lies. Because, like, because it, it kind of, like... Because I have only seen the clip, like, a few times. And it, like... Uh, I was like, oh, this looks different. <laughs> <laughs> and it was actually... This is a fun fact for me. Um, uh, despite, you know, uh, to popular belief that I didn't watch horror films until like i was like 18 so like i had a very late start and now i've just seen like a lot obviously mm-hmm. i don't know if i made that clear i'm sure i have <laughs> mm-hmm. but the i would say nightmare on elm street kind of marks like the beginning of love for horror movies for me because i remember it i was very scared obviously of the movie when i first saw it but like it was like the first horror movie that i watched and loved like before that i like very cautiously avoided them because like i like wasn't allowed to watch them and like my parents took like weird precautions like to like oh like don't look at the screen like when there's like a a trailer for like a scary movie or whatever when i was little Mm -hmm. like they like made like such a big fuss especially my mom made a big fuss about it and so like i like was easily scared just by like a commercial (laughs) took a while for yeah. you to get uh, desensitized yeah exactly and then like uh 
Nightmare on Elm Street kind of was like the beginning of that for me, and then it just went like, oh, like, and now I've seen like over uh, 400 horror movies or some shit like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you've never looked back ever since you. Yeah, I just kind of. I was like, I'm rebelling against you, Mom. I'm watching all the horror movies. <laughs> exactly what's going on here. Proud of you. Thank you. That means a lot. You're not the boss of me anymore, Mom. (laughs) You can't tell me what to do. This podcast has just been a therapy session for Pete. (laughs) Yeah. Just like... (laughs) I just like start like weeping. (laughs) We've made a breakthrough. <laughs> I guess is there is there anything like I feel like we've been talking a lot about the lore of the movie, but we haven't really talked about the movie itself. Mm-hmm. Is there something that you like to point out in the movie, like stuff that you like, stuff that you didn't like? Uh, a lot of it goes the things that I like go you know, with the specials special effects maybe or the scene I'm thinking of is when Nancy is uh, she's in the bathtub and you see Freddy's glove come up from like the the camera view of the faucet I think what this film did a really good job with is blurring that line between reality and the dream so it really throws off the audience perception definitely you see her in the tub like in that scene in particular and Freddy's hand comes up so they're like, oh, is she dreaming? Is she not? Is Freddy in the real world? And then she gets pulled down into the water. And when she gets pulled down, she's like, it looks like she's in this like huge open lake. And like there's this little yeah. tiny hole where she can get back to the tub. And it kind of just disorients you. Um, and you never know what when, you, when someone's in a dream or when they're in reality and where it's Freddy. So it did a really good job, I think, of cinematically. It like tricks you. Mm-hmm. A lot of times. Yeah, yeah it, is, it is, like, one of the highlights of the movies that, like, it's really good at, like, hiding the intentions, I guess. Yeah, it can be a little more ambiguous. And there's the iconic death scene of Glenn getting sucked into the... sucked into the bed. Yeah. All I have to do is Good old Johnny. Oh, wait. I guess I shouldn't say good old Johnny Depp because he might be an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Most like, he actually probably is because, like, his ex wife or whatever said that he was. He's probably an asshole, but he was. This is his first movie. (laughs) First introduction. Did you know that in a deleted scene that, um, of. Like, after he got sucked up, it, like, sped him back out, and, like, he flopped on top of the bed. No, I didn't know that. Not sure how I feel yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah, it's probably better that they stuck with just him getting sucked. Because, like, he, he, like, his bloody body just got spat back up, and he kind of, like, just flopped on top of his bed. Yeah, it's like, I think they use, like, 500 gallons of blood in that scene. It's very bloody just by itself. <laughs> Yo, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of cool effects, like, uh, I, I think it's, like, when, cause, like, it's, like, I think of the Inception style, where they had, like, a room that, like, was, like, on, like, all access, like, being turned around and stuff, like, they did in Inception, like, they did that for this movie, and 
obviously Christopher Nolan did that practically and obviously they did that back then because that's all they could do <laughs> and that that scene with Tina I think that's kind of what you're referring to as well right where she's killed in the beginning it was she's like uh, like levitating and stuff yeah. being, being dragged yeah that still scene is very even though I've seen this movie a bunch of times it's still very unsettling it is unsettling like where you can't really see anything there she's like being pulled up and around the wall seemingly slashed open yeah, it's very, it, like, gives it, like, a ghostly, like, supernatural vibe. It, like, it's weird because, like, it, like, gives, like, Freddy, like, a supernatural, like, almost background. And at least in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's, like, weird because it's, like, he's on his own different plane. And then, like, he gets dragged into the material plane. I think I don't even I like I don't even know (laughs) I think that's the credit of the movie is where he's like with Tina in the dream and then we see them under the covers together we see literally Freddy there and then Rod pulls off the the covers and he's not there Freddy but she's still fight Tina's still fighting something so it really just kind of jars you (laughs) what the hell's going on yeah they're kind of writing their own rules it seems like they're I guess they're setting the rules and following them, but, like, it almost seems like, uh, you can't, like, quite place, like, what the rules of the movie are right away, because they really play loosely on, like, what it constitutes a dream, and what can be affected during a dream. I liked what you said, Pete. Thank you. Like, three minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Matt, you got anything uh, to add or maybe talk different about? Or Lindsay, any, any one of you. <laughs> I was just going to say it might have been a good time to talk about the ending, if you want it, because you mentioned it earlier. Yeah. What the difference was. I don't, I don't remember what the original ending was intended to be. I don't know if you could help me out with that. But I know it's... <laughs> Like how they go in the convertible and like seemingly like driven away by like Freddy and it's like it's like very like confusing twist I guess you could call it a twist because like you think he's gone and then like like oh like I guess it kind of sets up a, like sets up a sequel for sure mm-hmm. I don't know it's just like. Cause like it was almost on concrete, like of how she took care of Freddy, and then all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, here he is." <laughs> yeah. I know Wes Craven didn't want a franchise, wasn't thinking of a sequel at all, and he wanted it to end like the concrete ending you mentioned, where basically Nancy realizes she has the power to control her dreams. Yeah. And control her future, in essence. So she realizes that she's in a dream and a nightmare with Freddy, and she, as soon as she takes that power, Freddy disappears. That's the ending. That's end end of Freddy, end of Nightmare on Elm Streets. But the producer wanted a twist, and that's what we see in the actual movie, like a whole other scene after what Wes Craven wanted. Like I'm glad, like there are sequels, but I wish like, 
Like it may like I like also Wes Craven's like ending. It kind of gives it kind of like a nice like polish to it. <laughs> like because like the twist is like, I guess not good. Like it's like, it's just mainly like I I feel like you just kind of give it a pass because like the rest of the movie is really good, and like you're like well it's not like, it's not the worst twist you've ever seen. It's just like confusing. <laughs> you're like what? What's happening? Definitely the vibe that I got like watching this movie. Was this the first time you watched yes. it? Oh. Let it slip. What What was your thoughts on the twist? Like, was that like kind of how you felt, or did you feel about it? In a I was way? like a little frustrated because I'm just like, damn, now I have to watch the rest of them, and you know. <laughs> you know, like I think uh I wish it had been tied up a little bit differently, I guess. You know. Yeah. I, I get That's wanting fair. to, you know, leave people in suspense and wanting them to, you know, be wanting more, but I don't know. I would have liked it to be a little bit more cleaned up, I guess, you know. So that was for me though, personally. I think a lot of people would agree with you. Like, like as many fans as there are the original, they probably... I think... I would say that a good number of them would, like... Like, yeah, the twists, like, kind of, like, ruins it a little bit. But, like, they, they like, just let it go because, like, the rest of the movie is, like, good to them and also to me. And I don't know how, I don't know how you guys felt about it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I uh, would agree with that on a lot of uh, points. So we kind of talked about the sequels a little bit, but uh, or did we, or was that before we recorded? Because we talked about how Freddy's, not Freddy's Revenge, which was a like they just like brought a guy lead that didn't work out. It was very bad. <laughs> He's just not a great actor, and like. And I would say the story is very weird. Like, you just, like, didn't expect it. Because it's, like, very hidden, like, I guess, like, uh, undertone, I guess, overtones of being a gay character. <laughs> it's very overtones. It's, it's, it's not subversive at all. Yeah, it's, like, very, it's very uh, odd. It, like, it's confusing and just not well executed, unfortunately. It's probably the worst Nightmare on Elm Street that I've seen. Because <laughs> I enjoy 3, yeah. which kind of seems more back to, like, what the original Nightmare on Elm Street was, but it's a lot more... Uh, there's more silly lines, but there's, like, weird, because, like, the children, like, dream warriors, there's, like, kids that have special powers that can control dreams. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah, you got Patricia Arquette that's, that's in it, true. and uh, is, it? is it Lawrence Fishburne? Is it? Oh, I, I think it is. He's like he works at the the hospital. Oh, I didn't know that. And then there, and of course, Nancy's yeah. back. And then there's four, five, six, which I've never seen, and then New Nightmare, which we. 
<laughs> which is just like pre-scream but about nightmare on elm street <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah super meta about the making of of Freddy yeah movie. entertaining <laughs> yeah and those those three one three and seven are all uh have west craven's influence craven is not on two four five <laughs> You got any uh, hot trivia for us about this one, Matt? Uh, one thing that I didn't really mention about the the inception for this movie was, yeah, we said the bully's name was Freddy, Freddy Krueger, but Wes Craven came up with this idea when he read three different stories in the Los Angeles Times about a group of Southeast Asian refugees in the 1970s who were suffering disturbing nightmares and all of them ended up dying in a phenomenon called the Asian Death Syndrome. Okay. Oh. Where they were, they were so afraid they didn't want to go to sleep because their nightmares gave them so much stress that it's actually referred to yeah, Asian Death Syndrome or the Brugada Syndrome where you, can, you have so much anxiety and stress that you basically can have cardiac arrest while you're sleeping. Wow. That's That's fucking crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. And what... what, These were refugees from Vietnam, I would would assume? There were some from Vietnam, some from Cambodia, around that time, around the Vietnam War. Um, Yeah, Southeast Asia. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they were refugees that came to the United States. And that's what the syndrome became known as. Oh, that's... That's really fucking weird. So Matt, what's up, or Lindsay? Whoever wants to go first, defend or destroy. Take it away, Matt. <laughs> All right. Um, in my defend or destroy, I'll just bring up that this movie was not only people mentioned as a critical success; it's still ninety-four percent Rotten Tomatoes. People rank it in the top thousand horror movies ever made, but it had a budget of one point eight million. Box office 25.5. People seem to enjoy it all around. At least the first one. But then I'll, I'll say I'll defend this movie. I defend the first Nightmare on Elm Street. For similar reasons I mentioned before, it, it kind of took those Freudian elements of you know your subconscious fears and literally put a villain into your nightmares, into your repressed fears. Um, and it did a really good job, I think, in the filmmaking of blurring that line between reality and dreams. So you were kind of always on edge. You didn't know where Freddy was lurking. And finally, I think the score in this movie uh, is underrated. I think it is up there ever with any, like, the most famous horror scores, but it's not bad. It's Every time I hear this score, I could point it out as Nightmare on Elm Street. So I defend 1984, Nightmare on Elm Street. On that note, um, I'm going to agree. I'm also defending this movie. I thought it was very well made, and um, it's a bold statement, but I think it's nothing short of a masterpiece. Um, I haven't seen any other, so I don't have any of those to compare it to, but uh, this movie alone, I think it holds up pretty well. Um, 
because, you know, as we all know, time has not always been very kind to some 80s and 90s movies in particular. But uh, I thought the special effects were good. Uh, watching the deaths were pretty gruesome, very intense, and I found the villain to be truly terrifying. And uh, yeah, I definitely enjoyed this movie. Well, if I didn't make it obvious enough already, I obviously defend this movie as it's the first horror movie for me to really transition in for my love of horror movies, and I did such an iconic way because I was scared by this very iconic villain about something that's very relatable to be scared about in your dreams, and it like it really stuck with me when I first watched it, and then now I just like find it very entertaining when I every time I go back to it. Like, I, I find it that's very rewatchable. <clears throat> and definitely one of the better slashers that are out there because there's so many terrible ones. <laughs> a lot of good ones, too. But, it, 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 like you said, Matt, that it, like, it ranks very high in, like, would you say a thousand horror movies, did you yeah, say? Yeah, in the top of a thousand. That's a, lot, that's a lot of movies to rank. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't have much else to say, besides that I just, I just like this movie a lot. It's got a lot of great things coming together, like a, an interesting concept, and then like very well execution, despite the weird, uh, twist. But uh, it's got everything else kind of going for it. You've been on a defense streak lately. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Gotta throw a bad thing. one in there. Yeah. Scott, don't worry, I can think of a stinker. <laughs> yeah. I'll throw another most likely to die type movie out there. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's another unanimous defend from the It Records crew. <clears throat> We're just picking movies we love. Nothing wrong with that. No. Yeah, so this is a random tangent. This is the second John Saxon movie we've done within like the past few months. He's the dad, Nancy's dad. Right. What's the other movie? Oh, he's yeah. the cop in Black, Black Christmas, Christmas too. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man. Okay. I like totally forgot about <laughs> yeah. him. Me too. All right. Well, until next time, uh, we're on Facebook and Twitter on our website. We'll be pushing fresh content on there in podcasts or, or blogs. So uh, let us know what you're thinking if you want us to do a movie or a mini episode. But until next time, I am Matt Johnson, the penultimate villain of the It Records podcast, and I will <coughs> remain in the shadows. I have a I have a song for you. I don't know if you know it. <laughs> I'm not going to sing. I'm just going to say it because I'm no singer. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. <laughs> Three, four, better lock your door. Five, six, grab a crucifix. Seven, eight, gonna stay up late. Nine, ten, never sleep again. That's beautiful. Did you just come up with that? No, it's definitely uh, something from the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't obvious. <laughs> I'll just play that on you. I'll give you some audio. <laughs> it's creepy. Mm-hmm. The actual, like, uh, the song. 
well. That being said, I'm Lindsay Clark. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. <laughs>